0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void required prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. This is your two days after the 4th of July edition, 2018, your July 6th show. Uh, my name is William Hayash. I'll be your host for tonight. And uh, our special guest is Andre Batts. And for those of you who don't know, he's he's at least a triple threat, probably a lot more threats than that. Um, we're going to talk comics. We're going to talk conventions. We're going to talk about all the things make him... Uh, uh, the creator he is, and uh, and, and the, you know just the, the the superstar that he's turned out to be. So Andre, I want to welcome you to the show. How's it going?
1: Great, great. How are you doing there, William?
0: I, I'm doing fine. You know, I there, I, I had a revelation today, um, uh-huh. and I I went I went to a picnic, you know, like uh, someone's house who I'd never been to on Fourth uh, of July. Okay. Um, it was, uh, I was at a Mexican barbecue and I'm sitting there and I'm looking around and I feel like I have an affinity with this group of people over here, but I don't want to sit with the old people and stuff like that. Then I got to thinking, you know, you're one of the oldest people up in here, you know, while I'm sitting there talking to the 20 something. So it's, (laughs) it's kind of jarring, uh, you know, when you don't feel as old as you are, but you are as old as you are. So that's, uh, it was kind of a weird thing today that I thought about that while I was writing. Anyway, man, where are you coming to us from?
1: I'm coming to you from Detroit, live from the city of Detroit.
0: And what's <laughs> your weather like up there?
1: It's pretty good right now. Today it's actually like, uh, you know, 80 degrees. So I've been a ton to feel that bad are you.
0: Yeah, we we got a respite too. Today was uh, in the seventies, but it's supposed to climb back up. It's been it's been pretty hot. We've had a a hot spell, so I'm not looking forward to my electric bill next month. Right, uh, running that air conditioner. Um, and and uh, just so everybody knows, uh, this this is a return engagement for Andre. He was here about three years ago, and we talked about a number of things back then. Um, I guess you know I I can't imagine you not having a whole lot of things happen in that amount of time, but but let's do this first because uh uh we we were going to do that let's let's talk about some of your creative stuff let's talk about you know the kinds of things that you did you know for the uh the the comic book but I wanted to get some background on you if you don't mind doing that.
1: Okay, okay, it's no problem. Uh, yeah,
0: because when, yeah. when I talk to people like content creators like you who do comics,
1: mm-hmm. a
0: lot a lot of you guys tell me, well, you know, I, I've been artistic since I picked up my first crayon. You know, right. I haven't run into too many people who who've come along. Like I, I started writing in 2001. You know, I had never written anything creative. I'd done technical journals. I'd done ma- manuals. I'd done... Uh, uh, published articles and things like that, but never, you know, never written a short story or a, a novel. But most most comic creators say that they started out, you know, it just started out from when they, they started picking up a crayon and drawing and learning how to imitate what they saw in cartoons or on TV mm-hmm. or, you know, what have you. And what, what, what was kind of like your beginning when, when you started thinking in terms of, doing art
1: well i can not necessarily say it started when i picked up my first crayon or anything like that because i don't really know i can't go back that far i can only say you know um, you know when i started reading comics you know which right. was a, at a very young age that really got me interested in um drawing the superhero type characters i um it, it was already i guess doing a little coloring you know in between the lines, I guess, is when you first pick up a crayon, if you know what I mean. Okay. I wasn't drawing a uh, Spider-Man right off the rip or anything like that. No, I was writing stories right off the rip like that. Anybody that's doing that, they got to be pure genius. Yeah. <laughs> you can't know I mean? them yeah, for an but, interview. Yeah, <laughs> but buddy, even did you... Did you, did you draw stuff you saw? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, basically, basically everything that I drew was everything that I have seen. It was uh, cause that's really the only way you can really develop, you know, what type of art, you know, or artist you want to be, or what really interests you. Because look at when you're reading stories or whatever, such as you know Black um, Strange, Black Panther, Spider Man. You know, just a range of Marvel characters. You're just drawing what you see on a consistent basis, and eventually you start gravitating to a particular storyline. And uh-huh. once you gravitate to certain storylines, you, you get certain ideas that go through your head as well. Uh, but as far as drawing, is, it was a long while. As far as writing is concerned, uh, I started writing maybe a little, a little over 25 years ago. Um, okay, and really, then you know I just did a little I dabbled in writing just slightly. I was more of an artist at one time, but now I have become more of a writer more so than an artist, but I'm still you know doing you know layouts and designing characters and things of that nature uh but for the most part timing wise I have to commit a lot of the time into one of the others commit some, you know sometime i say maybe thirty or forty percent of my time as far as art is concerned. So pen, You know, pen and ink, uh, as far uh-huh. as, you know, ab- abstract type art, you know, uh, for, you know all types of art as far as canvas, acrylics, and all that. I put maybe 20% of my time into that. Uh, also, I put a, a lot more time into my writing. You know, it's all what I can put into uh, one day of work, all uh, what cool. it takes in a day's work.
0: Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to have different phases uh, in, in the creative process anyway,
1: right? Right. Correct.
0: Um, so, yeah, I, I could see that. And especially, you know, when you talk about comics, you are talking about, you know, almost, almost three different types of, you know, creative focus. You know, obviously you have the writing. And then you mm-hmm. you have the characters, but you also, I mean, the backgrounds are just as important in the panels a- as the cool. characters. So you know, it's it's it, it's got to be an effective amalgam of all three in order to be pulled off well.
1: Correct. Yeah, no, I agree with um, that. You know, you, you have yeah. to have all of it in your head when you start basically spilling the beans out on paper. You know, you have mm-hmm. to have it in your head. Um, go ahead. Well, I was,
0: I was going to ask, you know, about when did you shift from cop, cop, excuse me, copying to build up your art, to doing your own, your own creations? I mean, was that a gradual process? Was it kind of quick, um, I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, at what point did you decide that you were going to be creating your own, your own universes with your own characters and storylines?
1: In the early nineties, actually, um, it was a pretty quick process as far as, you know, as far as not looking at images or I right. drawing for a while. So at this point, most of the art had come off the top of my head and basically what I've seen in the sense of uh, a- actual humans or whatever, because I wasn't really reading comics as much uh, back in the late 80s. But when I got back into reading comics, you know, I started um, developing the storylines uh, of my character, which is Dreadlocks. I started developing back in the early 90s, you know, patterning myself in the sense of being able to develop a, a story like uh, Brian McGee. And you know, looking at what looking at what Tribe was doing with you know Larry Stroman and Todd Johnson, you know Alonzo Washington, you know Arvell Jones, you know I looked up to these guys. Keith Polly, you know I started you know you know looking at what they were doing, you know I started creating my own thing, you know because you know I introduced the idea that I had to Tribe at the time, but I guess they had too much going on on their plate already so I ended up deciding to um, do my own thing with uh, Dreadlocks and I met a couple of other individuals that had of like minds and we all got together you know we decided we were going to do these comics and we all was meeting in the basement and, and my basement like every you know three days or something like that and then uh, Dreadlocks came into being actually Dreadlocks had already came into position but I actually Introduced him in a comic format in, like, uh, 90, 94, 95. Uh, and I did my first book. I think it was 95, 96. I uh, did the first Black mm-hmm. box book.
0: Now, with all of you working together, were you working on, on, on the one creative universe, or were all of you working on different things and, and kind of networking and supporting each other?
1: We were all working on the same, on different... You know, projects, we were all working under one banner, and uh, we basically, you know, everyone had to part their own, part different ways because of maybe job situations for the most part. Um, You know, some people's jobs demanded more from them as far as, you know, the plantation life, it demanded more from them, so they had to, you know, spend more time in the the job market. And so, therefore, at the beginning, we were all on the same page but then we all had to go our separate ways and we all come back together in some form or fashion. And we all had our own own characters and thoughts and ideas, but we all messed up real good with one another. We still, you know, get along with everything that we talk about or do together as a crew. Right. Uh-huh. And um, I'm I'm like the only one that really, you know, fulfilled the dream of creating the comic books and sustaining this long. You know, uh, I feel that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And and the thing is, as a matter of fact, I didn't even mention this. I just got a a Spirit of Detroit award here in Detroit when the Black Panther movie came out. Spirit of Detroit is a big thing in Detroit. You know, when you get that award, you're recognized by the city council. Wow. You're recognized by the city itself for, for the work that you put in. And so, you know, I got that award just for doing this for so long, you know, mm. so I was really amazed, it, you know, it caught me off guard when I got the award because I wasn't expecting it, I was there in support of, um, Arville Jones and Keith Pollard because they were there getting the award and I'm there with them, the next thing you know, they called my name and I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute, they called my name too? really <laughs> One of my other artists, friends of uh, Detroit Tradecraft, craft, he had told me his name Charles, Charles Jackson, he told me, he said, uh, yeah, yeah, they just called your name. I was like, Wow. Went down there and got the city of Detroit and the uh spirit of Detroit Award. That be wow. the award that, that anybody has ever offered of, all these new cats that's coming out. <laughs>
0: now, so so what um was there any immediate change i mean obviously people would pay attention because you know the fact that you're mentioned puts you on the map right
1: right correct
0: and and what other kinds of things came out of that you know in terms of recognition did you get did you get uh you know like media interviews um did you get invitations what? to speak
1: well i've i've gotten invitations after that I did uh, something. This place called a Village. I got a chance to go there and speak to a, to an audience. There's a couple of engagements that came up right here in the city of Detroit where I, where I was involved, in, and they invited me to you know come and speak and speak on you know my creations and uh, dreadlocks, blackwash, jihad, ad, and talk more to uh, the youth or whatever and whatever, and help them understand what it takes to you know develop and create. And basically get them to be focused and remain yeah. focused and remain focused on their craft. Um, I was really happy about that, you know, because you know I've been doing this for years, and 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 to tell you the truth, well, William, I've been doing this for so long. It's you know we have award systems in at other at other particular conventions that recognizes right. black creators and black artists but not once have I been nominated or awarded by anything in the comic book community, but this takes the cake. This beats all that out because I got recognized by my city. But there's other conventions that supposedly acknowledges black creativity as far as black artists and things like that. But the clickish thing to do dreadlocks is never nominated for anything. And dreadlocks has been around since 96. I haven't even got a Pioneer Award. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, but... Now, the Pioneer Award is cool or whatever, fine and dandy, but, you know, like I tell my wife or whatever, it's like the next day when all the the patrons and the fans come out, they come right to my table looking for dreadlocks.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) But you know what? recognition is a big deal. You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, uh, well, a lot of people are suspicious of recognition. You know, they wonder, well, how did he get that award? Or, you know, who does he know? Or, or, you know, stuff like that. And and I think that there's a certain amount of cynicism about it because, you know, so many times we've been fooled in the past and found out, oh, well, so-and-so just, well, you know, whatever the deal was. But, I mean, for you to be at it that long, this this definitely, you know, it 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 almost screams out loud that this is something that was not only a long time in coming, but something that was definitely deserved. And you know, yeah. I I I couldn't be prouder for you, man. I'm 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 really happy to hear that that you're getting that kind of recognition. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's validation for all of the work. That you put in. It's not, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's great that you were creative. You know, and people will say, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Like they say that about my books. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. You know, black folks on the moon, but uh, in secret. But, but, you know, that if, if all of a sudden I got like a, a Hugo nomination or something like that, that would definitely be stepping out to another level. So congratulations, man. I mean, seriously. I'm um, well, very you. happy to hear that 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 came your way. Um yeah, appreciate that. Now, did you did you get a did you get a corresponding kick it up in revenue uh, because of this? Uh, More
1: sales well, or anything? Well, well, my sales picked up like for like events that I did in Detroit, like right after that. You know, like sure. I did
2: one
1: event. I did one event called uh, Brothers in Motion, uh, which is really an artist event or fine arts event. And I went there and, you know, with the fine art, but people wanted my comics. <laughs> so I did both of them at the show, and it seemed like I sold a lot of books. I wasn't really expecting to sell as many as I did that night. Uh, I sold quite a few books there. And I did another event um, a couple of weeks ago. It was called, it's called um, Detroit Comics Party. And right. I did a really good there as well. You know, it's like... Um, Everywhere I go now when I do shows I'm making more sales than I'm actually you know, expecting to sell, I'm basically selling out now.
0: Now are you allowed to put the fact that you won that award on the cover of your comic in the lower, you know, right hand corner or something like that?
1: Well now the comics that I'm doing from this point on will have that in the corner. Oh, good. Okay. So it's already going to be on there. So I already been thought of. So then that way, you know, when people see the uh, the actual comics, they'll be like, oh, okay. And they'll ask, you know, what is the Spirit of Detroit Award, and then I can go into detail what it's all about. And then, you know, it will also increase sales as well.
0: Absolutely. Man, that is, that is so cool. You know, I'll tell you, uh, for me, like on my uh, – let's see, where do I have this? It might be. It might be on my LinkedIn page. I put down that I'm the 2006 Time Magazine's mm. Person of the Year.
2: Mm, okay. <laughs>
0: that was the. That was the year that uh, Time Magazine said that everybody was the Person of the Year and had a little fake mirror on the front of the magazine. Uh But that's the best no. I could do, man.
1: It's, it's <laughs> nothing like
0: your. It's nothing like your your award, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure you got an award from somebody somewhere. <laughs> well,
0: maybe maybe sometime. I don't know. You know, I'm I I will admit that I am not I'm not upset with where I am today in terms of market the marketplace because right. you know my first book came out in 2009. All right, so okay. we're we're talking less than 10 years, mm-hmm. and books are different anyway because fewer people are reading, right. and get you know getting getting recognition is a lot harder. Because getting books into people's hands and actually having them read them is is not nearly as easy you know or as accessible as comic books. comic books are brilliant, man, because kids like them they're short they're compact, you know they're not big, they're not heavy um you know they're visually they are arresting and interesting, and the story moves along fast enough that. It, it doesn't tax them in terms of how much effort it takes to read a comic book. So comics are, are a brilliant way to get your content out there and to, to display your creativity. Um, I, oh, I can't I do it myself because um, if I draw, you know, somebody's hand, it's only going to have three fingers and a thumb
1: because I can't <laughs> draw
0: worth jack.
1: So well, that, that, um, that's, that's why you have to uh, hire a freelance to draw it for you. Yeah, but I yeah, but I got no
0: money either. So no money and no talent. You add that up, you know. Then you gotta you gotta use your words. Got to be a wordsmith. Um, okay, so I mean that's pretty cool. Now, how many different creative universes do you have in your comic line?
1: Right now, I have a total of four different universes. They're basically parallel to one another. Uh, they're different. One is in a different time time frame but there are four different universes. Um, I'm adding more, you know, not as we speak, but I'm just contemplating on other ideas. that actually have a total of um, 12 different universes that are going to all, you know, be combined with one another in some form or fashion, but I haven't put out the, um, the different titles to actually introduce all 12 universes. So right now we're just dealing with four of them right now.
0: Okay. Oh, hey. Uh, do you have Do you have a web address?
1: A website. Uh, yes. uh, my website is uh, w- uh, urbanstylecomics dot com. That's urbanstylecomics.com. dot com. You can also uh, go on Facebook slash urbanstylecomics.com. dot com.
0: Yes, but spell comics with an X,
1: everybody. No, we're gonna spell it with the C S.
0: Oh, we, we are. Not
1: gonna, we're not, okay, because yeah, uh, gonna, I was on your. Uh, okay, sorry. It. We're not gonna spell it the uh, the. The, the black way. <laughs>
0: Urbanstylecomics.com. Okay, yeah, I just yeah. I just dropped that in the chat room for people to pick up. Um, right. yeah oh I know where I saw it. I saw it on your on your uh I think it was Twitter.
1: Oh, your yeah, Twitter so handle is my Twitter has it. Urban style Comics. yeah it's with the X yeah. they wouldn't allow me to put the C S on there really? Yeah it was too many letters.
0: Oh okay
2: Mhm. So yeah.
1: I had to shorten it. and The only way it could sound correct is if I did it that way. Mhm,
0: mhm. Okay, so uh, and if people do want to follow you, then change the
1: CS to an X. Um yep. Or they could uh, go on. Um, you, know, in, 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 you go on Instagram to Andre Bats, or you could go. Um, you can follow me on Facebook andre Bats. okay and they usually post cool. different things you know as it relates to urban style comics on all my pages
0: yeah yeah and and talk about a talk a little bit about the, the response that you've gotten to you know what you've done so far
1: well uh, i get you know i have i usually get a real good response i've never really had any negative responses uh no matter oh, what good. type of event that i do um it could be, a you know, an all-white event, a Caucasian event. Uh, you know, it could be a black event. I usually get a nice response from the, uh, like I say, the fans and enthusiasts. Uh, right. And I did a show in New York, uh, the Black Comics Art Festival. Man, it was off the chain. And, you know, I got much love there. And I really love going to New York because they show a whole lot of love every time I go out there. But any show that I nice. usually do and have a received anything um you know negative I'm as a matter of fact I got a show I'm doing in a few weeks called WakandaCon in Chicago. Uh, hey I'll be there.
0: dude, get in touch with me. Let's have lunch.
1: Oh I will oh you're still in Chicago?
0: Yeah. You want to do that?
1: Oh, oh it sounds good to me.
0: That'll be fun. Because you know I the only time I get to meet the I, I haven't been to many of the new Black Age uh conventions.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um
0: mostly because they're smaller and right. mostly because and, and we're gonna discuss this later, but mostly because I don't feel as appreciated as I do at the national conventions. Go figure that out. You know, WorldCon, Boscone, all of those places, you know, they mm. uh, you know, they they, they they sponsor me in some small ways or big ways and then they have me running uh discussions and panels and things like that. So um mm,
2: okay. well, Yeah, we're gonna talk about well. that
0: later. Yeah, so, no, but when you get here, um, if I can't get to the convention, at least, uh, do you know where you're staying, by the way?
1: Uh, Not yet. I don't know yet. I'm uh, doing some research or whatever. It's so expensive to stay downtown Chicago or or where the the show is in Grant Park area somewhere. Okay, Uh, all right. The Hilton Hotel.
0: Yeah, that is a little pricey there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not a little pricey. It's very pricey. Well, I was,
0: I was just, I was just trying to be polite because you know we're a grown-up city.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. They're beyond grown-up. There. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, well, I'm sure you that know. the average citizen in Chicago can't can't afford to stay down there. I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe they can. Well, you know, there,
0: there's it's two things easy. that are going on in Chicago and and in bigger cities, and and the thing that's happening here is you know a lot of people are complaining that it's it costs too much to live here okay it doesn't cost too much it costs it it costs more than than other places because obviously people are living here but people are leaving the city but here's the right. other deal it it costs money to run a city this big well, just course. in terms of like snow removal just in terms of putting together as good an educational system as you can, although our mayor, Rahm Emanuel, is a jackass.
2: Um, He's
0: still the man? Wow. I he, he was is a jackass.
1: Right? <laughs> no,
0: we're, we're trying to get rid of him, but, you know, folks, well, we'll talk about that later, but um, it, it costs money to live in a decent city, and, it's you know, the, the cool thing I like about Chicago is if you want to, you can find whatever you want any time right. of
1: day. If you, oh, if you Chicago. also,
0: you could find whatever kind of business that you need. If I want to find, mm. if I want to network with uh, certain types of writers who write, you know, uh, uh, science fiction for mm. black, lesbian, left-handed uh, uh, people mm. who have ADD. There's, mm. there's a, there's <laughs> a networking <laughs> group out there for that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, you know, it's it's. It's a little bit like that in Detroit. Here's my impression of Detroit and tell me if if I'm if I'm wrong. They right. they redid Detroit with the whole with the, the bankruptcy thing and stuff like that to drive as many poor people, poor black people out of Detroit as possible. Now, is that the they wrong impression?
1: It. I'm sorry? Uh no, they tried it, but I'm listening Okay. To- <laughs>
0: No, no, I, you know, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm really not. But, you know, the the last time I was in Detroit was like in the mid 90s. And I was there to help uh, an advertising company pitch web services to Oldsmobile. Okay. And Mm. they were just putting together the downtown convention area. Okay. Okay. You know they've got some big convention, and so we we were staying there, and the the, the hotel wasn't completely constructed. They had no mm-hmm. restaurant. I ended up going to Otis's restaurant. Otis from the the Temptations.
1: Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. We all Whoa. went there because it was the only place open late at night. And uh, oh, that was an interesting experience. We uh, there in they had a little kind of alcove that was almost like a little separate party room. And there were a mm-hmm. bunch of younger people in there, probably, you know, late teens, early twenties, and and the waitress got pissed off because the the ones who were old enough to buy liquor were buying stuff for the
1: ones who weren't old or enough. For the younger. Right.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. so finally everything came to a head. There was some shouting and then uh and then I guess the the, the, the that group left about okay. five minutes later. We're just sitting there eating, minding our business. Um, and a Detroit police tactical squad came in there, you know all black all body armor mm, helmets and all mm. that and we 're just sitting there eating, and you know of course, we put our hands up because you don 't know you know right and and they and, and so they 're in there and they 're looking for the kids, and then the kids drive by outside the restaurant, honking their horns they 're all in their cars, all ready to go so right. that was that was that was my wonderful eating experience in Detroit. Um but, it, but it's, okay. you know it's it it's gotta be so different i mean nineteen ninety five was a long ass time ago yeah,
1: that was so, a very long time and, and to <laughs> answer <your> question <laughs> Go ahead. To, to answer your question it has changed quite a bit since uh ninety five that's for sure uh basically Detroit, just like any other uh city, you know they tried to uh purge the inner city or whatever to get us up out of there. Uh, sure. The thing is, Detroit is so heavily populated with um, African Americans, blacks, whatever you want to classify yourself as.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. it's hard to really get us out of the city. So therefore, they could only, um, meaning the powers to be, they can only find themselves in certain areas of Detroit, like Midtown, for instance. And there's a lot of a lot of them that stay in Midtown, but still. Right we still surround Midtown. and You have a, a several of us that stay in Midtown as well. Not as many as right. them that came from, you know, uh, the suburbs that decided to come into the city or whatever recently. Uh, but sure. the thing is, uh, they've done a lot. They put a lot of money into the city, and uh, Gilbert is doing a lot more. And they're doing whatever they can to, to uh, try to run us out. But that's something that's going to be very hard to do, really. you look at maybe 800, what, about 800,000 of us in the city, meaning, you know, African-Americans, blacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're looking at maybe <laughs> 5,000 white people moving into the city.
0: All right, let me, let they, me as they say, let me ask you something, okay? When are y'all going to start voting them, them crazy-ass white Republicans who are trying to ruin the city and ruin the state out of
1: office? And the thing is, when are they going to do that? I don't know. You know, I don't know. but see me myself, the political system is rigged, no matter how you look at it. Oh, um, absolutely. We know that. We we know that from looking at who's in the White House right now. The thing yeah. the matter you if you hear people tell you who they voted for and things of that nature, uh, you would think that the person that's in power, such as uh, uh with the mayor that I don't ever really even see, Doug Dugan. Dugan, that's his name, Mayor Dugan. Never even see okay. this dude, whatever the case may be. But needless to say, I don't understand how he got back in this go on. But we still have a lot of individuals that look like me that feel things aren't going to be right unless they have a Caucasian in front of them leading the way. You know, oh. we, we have get out of that mindset, you know. But yeah, I know. they just refuse to let it go. And that's in every city. You know, yeah. they like, you know, think that if they don't have this individual in front of them, that they're not going to get anything. But the thing is, the things that they're supposedly are getting isn't for them anyway. Like, look at right. Midtown it's not, and downtown.
2: It's not serving them. It's, it's not, not serving
1: it's, them. It's not, it's, not, it's not serving them at whatsoever. So you're thinking that you're getting a pretty downtown or pretty Midtown or pretty areas or whatever of living. It's really not right. benefiting you anyway. They're getting you right up out of there, period right Point yeah so when they're going to do it and then when they're going to realize that they're not slaves anymore i don't know it's going to take them a minute it's already been 400 a little over 400 years and they haven't realized it yet but they still keep doing the same thing
0: yeah and i um you know i try to sneak up on white folks cuz i got the japanese last name and sometimes they don't suspect you know right and uh, you know I can get in into get into places before right. they figure out who the hell I am. Although you know right. it's not bad being a Japanese girl because there ain't a whole lot of us out there, <laughs> and so it's hard for them to uh, to stereotype me. And uh, you know, and I and I did learn how to speak like this so I could be on the radio. You know, when okay. I was coming up in high school, I didn't speak like this, and uh, because I didn't, I, when I decided to go you know, when I was thinking about doing, you know, and I got a nice FM job, I didn't want to be relegated to the 1400s on the AM dial because I sounded like J.J. Walker, you know? Okay. So, so do
1: you consider yourself, you know, Tiger Woods classified that as blazing, whatever that is? Well, <laughs> you know, I,
0: he's he, because he has to get endorsements, he has to play it extremely cool. Oh, okay. You know, fortunately i don't have to worry that much about it. barack too i'm older than both of them so oh, okay. yeah i've been i've been biracial a long ass time you know right. compared okay. to those guys those guys are biracial completely um Got you. but but you know when i look around um okay let's take uh what was it ferguson missouri where what's his name brown was shot the first one mm-hmm. the first big where he was shot in the back. Well, right. you know, up until he was shot, I think 80% of all of the, the, the elected offices and of the sheriff and the mayor and everybody there were white. But mm-hmm. since he's been shot, there's been a movement to, to take control of cities that are predominantly black and mm-hmm. have and not have a whole bunch of you know, like you said, having those white faces leading them, like mm-hmm. you know, it's some kind of necessity. Like you, oh, we can't get anything done unless we got you know, uh, uh, right. uh, Mister Charlie up front. You know, otherwise we ain't right. gonna get no money. We ain't gonna get this. We we ain't going. You know, and there's so many. We right. ain't going. You know, you get tired of hearing. So, um, right. But well, but, but for is, you,
1: the, the, the you've got. Is let this let right me just here. say
0: this real quick. You, let me say this real quick. Fortunately, for you, you have such a cool black creative community in terms of art, music, what have right. you that it's tough for them to run you all out of there because Correct. to run you all out of there first of all, takes the flavor out of the city yes,
2: okay it does.
0: you don't you don't want Detroit to be like Des Moines, Iowa. nobody <laughs> wants that
1: not, not at all. Even though they're about to have a Wizard World Con, I think, out there this weekend or something like that.
0: Where, in, in Detroit? And I
1: think in, in Des Moines, Iowa, somewhere. Oh, out in there. Des Moines.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that in, in a little say. bit.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, for you, um, since you've got that big creative community there, uh, you know, do you, do you think that that really helped you in terms of networking, in terms of of kind of solidifying what it was that you've been trying to do, helping you with your creative bench, and, and maybe even helping you, you know, directly with how you actually get things done, you know, as, as a black creative.
1: One thing has helped, helped me a lot, you know, I'm able to um, reach out to several different individuals, uh you know across the border you know as far as in detroit is concerned you know i'm able to sure. reach everyone you know because the character like i said uh in dreadlocks himself you know being universal the way he is you know a lot of people can identify with the character um, okay and i have people of all persuasions that reach out to me as far as uh, in some way as far as an energy whether they want me to come as a guest to their show uh-huh. Um, and all types of things of that nature as long as it's in the creative field you know that's how we connect with one another because you still got you know like you, you said we got a lot of uh, brothers and sisters here that's really putting in work you know as far as that creative work and right. a lot of us are getting acknowledged for that you know uh some aren't and some are, are really getting acknowledged so those that aren't really getting the acknowledgement we're trying to bring them up as well so they can also get acknowledged so it won't just be uh, a one-sided type thing. Just one person is getting noticed for this. Uh, We want everybody in our community to be noticed for what they can do and what they have to give, you know, as far as their art is concerned, as far as their writing is concerned, or just their creativity in general. Uh, And a lot of people have reached out to us just to be a part of that. Not to take over it, but just just be a part of it, just be next to it, They're happy with that.
0: Sure. Can I ask you a question that's a little uncomfortable, but it's
1: something
0: that, well, no, I'm just talking about in terms of discussing black creativity, okay? Okay. uh, For so long, black creatives have treated um, being a creative as a zero-sum game. Okay, let's take the example of comics. So, yeah. if if there if, if you know in, in many places and in many influence spheres, if there are a number of black comic creators, you know, s- uh, centered in a place, there there has been a tendency to treat being a black creative, a black comic creator, as a zero sum game. Where people, the creatives, like if you sell ten comic books, and so and so does not, they feel that you have taken money out of their
1: pocket. <laughs> you say, does the other uh, creative feel that you've taken money out of their pocket? Well, that, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering
0: question? if it. I I have. Thankfully, over the last five years, I've seen less of that, okay? Less less of black creators um, treating, you know, whatever it is they do as a zero-sum game. So, you know, like okay. like now, black creators, you know, who do novels and short stories will mention, well, you know, uh, well, William Hayashi, uh, and Don't Let the Last Name Fool You, they always have to put that in there because people get suspicious, but they say okay you know i like some of his work you know before you wouldn't hear that from another black novelist because they mm-hmm. think that if you mention someone else and someone like you know gets interested in what i do then mm-hmm. you know then, then they then they it's like they think that my sales were taking were taking that those sales took money out of their pocket
1: well, you know, like you said, right now I don't think that's the mindset. I've never had that mindset, you know. Because, like I said, when I'm at a show, I'm happy that I'm at a show that um, that that we're highly represented as a whole. You know, mean right. you know everybody looks like me, or they're slightly lighter than me. You know, black and brown. Some yellow. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, i You know, since so we we like to use the color spectrum a lot when we're dealing with races of people, which is a little bizarre but needless to say um right. I really uh, appreciate you know when I'm at a show and I'm able to, you know, make money myself and I haven't been in a situation where I didn't make any money where I felt, you know, well dang that person over there is making so much money and I'm just over here and I just sold one book, you know, or something like that. I've well no, I, that I never
0: spotted like I never thought of, like, you like that.
1: No, I'm just saying you know just what I mean? In general, just in general, I would hope people aren't thinking that way. You know, I'm just using myself as a as an example. I would hope people don't feel that way. That Okay, you know, these people over there are making all this money. I would hope that's something is gone if they ever thought that way before. Because I think that a lot of people, you look at the, the early 90s, when we were doing um, comics, or whatever, when we did our first show, like uh, in Detroit, the Motor City Comic Con, you know, we had a bunch of hicks there, you know, from all types of areas in, in Southwest or Southeast Michigan. Some from Southwest in the Grand Rapids area. Um, sure. They come out to do the show or whatever. And people would come to these shows and see this big backdrop of all these black characters or whatever, uh, and they would walk by the, these tables. And, and in that sense, I used to think, well, wow, what is this all about? I know that this artwork that we have is dope or is cold or whatever, so right. there's no, right. no reason whatsoever that they should be walking by this table. But the sad part about that was not just that right there. It's when the brothers would walk right by as well. I mean, you're only representing five people of color inside of this show, and they got 100 tables in there, and you're only one of the fifth, you're like the fifth person in there that's black, and they're walking right by you. The only way they will stop at your table is if they see a Caucasian at your table being interested in what you have, whether they're buying uh-huh. anything or not. Then the brothers will come to your table and check out what you have. Now, I don't know if it's still like that, but it
0: That's a like weird that mentality, movies. man. If, if, if Whitey likes it, 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 it
1: must it be, be nice. good. <laughs> <laughs> and it still may be like that in some cases or whatever. I, I, like I said, I did this show not long ago, um, Detroit Comics Party. And I had everyone at my table, you know, black and white, whatever. Yeah. And the, the deal with that event, Ayashi, is this right here. The yellow people wasn't stopping at the table. Now, uh-huh. Me, personally, I'm like, you know, I think they have more of an issue with us than uh, Caucasians. (laughs) Yeah. You know, as far as our our artistry. But then when you hear about what goes on in Japan and how they have a love for, you know, the the black culture or whatever, but when you look at them right here in the States and when we're doing this creative thing, it seems to me that, that they pull away from us more so than anybody. Yeah, you know they're, they're not well, as quick to gravitate towards like even you know the white people.
0: Yeah, but you know the, the Japanese culture is very insular. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say that right out. I don't have any problem saying that at all. Right, it's very insular and it is very racist. Okay, right. It is. it just is. Um, and and you know they they still treat women there like crap. You know, um, if you're yeah. like if you wanted to learn Japanese you have to learn japanese from a man not from a woman because women okay. speak a a a a kind of a subservient dialect of japanese okay you know and so yeah different cultures are kind of weird right and and things here it, yeah. especially with the advent of this mope in the white house you know things here are certainly not good because what happened was all the white folks who we had shoved under the rocks and told them to shut the hell up because mm-hmm. what they you know their their brand of racism or misogyny or whatever was just not welcome. Well now right. now they've got some renewed vigor and energy because of this asshole we have run in the country. Yeah, I call it cool. an asshole. I, I you know so right. yeah it's it's tough. And then I think the best thing that's come out of this um, especially this era right now is with the advent of Trump, you're also finding out that black entertainment and just diversity in general
2: mm-hmm.
0: is selling. It's making money. It's making money for everybody, white folks, black folks, everybody. So
1: right.
0: that's a hopeful sign for me. Um
1: in, in terms of entertainment. I'm sorry, what? No I, agree. no, I agree. That's my dog in the background. He's trying to get in the conversation.
0: Oh, okay. Well, does he have something cogent to say? Or is he just... Yeah, I don't
1: know. It'll tell him what he's trying to say. It sounds look like he's trying to say, hey, man, I want to go outside. What is going on here? <laughs> 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 yeah, he's full of personality.
2: Yeah.
0: So now are you a lifelong um resident of Detroit? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you were
0: growing up, what was it like? You know, when you were younger, was there a big racial divide that you had to live through or that you saw or or were subjected to? Um give me, give me a little background
1: on that. When when I grew up, when I grew up, whatever, everybody looked like me. I had no idea what you know, racism or any of that uh, color spectrum or whatever, so <laughs> people had no idea of that because everybody looked like me. So all we did was just went outside, played football, basketball, you know, go to the store, pick up our local cop, you know, store from the local, pick up our local comic from the local store level. Sure. And, you know, shoot ball and play football. That's it. That's all we did. Everything we did was outside. You know, we, uh-huh. picked up, we picked up our comics, came home, read them, had, and swap comics and all that good stuff. But never did we encounter anything as it relates to um, racism. Detroit, at one time, you had a million black folks here. You know, so it would be hard for us to really encounter that because that's right. all you see in Detroit. And even to okay. this day, if you step outside of certain areas, you know, that's all you're gonna see. Mm -hmm. You know, so a person we can speak on, you know, uh, Caucasian influence and all that kind of good stuff based on things that we encounter as an adult or as Mm -hmm. we get older, we start encountering those that truly do not like us because we're going through life and the person that we think don't like us is, you know, somebody that's trying to pick a fight with you or the, the local bully down the block or around the block or whatever. That's what we're thinking it's all about. But then we find out when we get older, oh, the bully is much bigger than this guy around the block or down the street. Uh It's much bigger than that. Now we find out the bully is all about controlling you, uh, you know, through your finances or through this corporation we call the United States of America. They got all these controls. Not
0: letting you get a a mortgage or making it harder for you to get a car or, you know, all of the all of the institutionalized exactly. um, prejudices and racism. Yeah, that's, uh, and, and, you and you, you, unfortunately, you get that everywhere. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right.
1: You gotta, and you got to think, well, we're reading the different stories, you know, in, in our little classroom or whatever. We're reading stories about these people all day, and subconsciously it's putting in our heads in real period. But never once do we know that because we're still going home Doing our studies, playing with the kids, the local kids, you know, next door to us down the street. But never once did some little white kid come running down the street and say, Hey, my mommy told you you was an N word. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs>
2: you
1: yeah. probably would have got jumped on if somebody would not seen you running down the street before he said anything. But that's right. just how black it was when I grew up.
2: Uh huh.
1: <laughs> you know, and didn't really encounter any of that. Now, of course, yeah, and- you know, my my, my my elders, you know, have spoke on it a little bit, but you know, you really don't pay that any attention when you're growing up. Your dad saying anything, or your mom saying right. anything about the structure and all that, you don't know anything about that because you're not paying it any attention.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, my I I was lucky. I I I was raised in the uh, University of Chicago neighborhood here in Chicago. And, you know, at that time, we had the most Nobel Prize winners per capita of any mm-hmm. other neighborhood in the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, all the schools were very good because, you know, we had uh, we had university professors with their kids here. Mm-hmm. And, and even, the, even the students were cut above because, you know, it's not easy getting into the University of Chicago. And it's expensive. Right. <laughs> a friend of mine graduated out of there with a master's degree, mm-hmm. and he had almost... I think it was like 180,000 dollars worth of debt just to get through college. That's I mean that's that's a big hole to leave school and try to climb out of, you know.
2: So Yeah, it is. Yeah, there, yeah, it there's, is.
0: there's there's good and there's good and bad in all of that. Now, let, let's yeah, talk a little bit about your storylines, you know, because obviously with your upbringing, we would call it uh, I believe the, the 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 polite way of putting it is you you had a urban upbringing. And mm-hmm. and tell us a little bit about the the situations that your characters face, and even about your characters. I, I, you know, from what what we talked about last time, a few years ago, you know, all your characters were you know almost all black, but you know they you did have other characters that would 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 bounce through. Um, mm-hmm. What what kind of drove you to put together the storylines that you did, and were you, when you were putting your characters together, was it a matter of I'm interested in characters who look like me, or I'm uh, you know um, what what was your focus when you started doing that?
1: Well, you know, uh, I don't I don't know if the last interview I discussed you know me being in the military or whatever, but when I was in the Navy or whatever, yeah. um, that's when I started uh, focusing on me you know, as a, a black person or whatever in America, being in the Navy, because sure. the Navy is like 98% Caucasian and and a half a percent somebody else and, you know, 1% us in the Navy. Do you, so, you want to
0: hear the sick joke of One of my <laughs> one of my uncles was in the Navy?
1: Go ahead and drop and it. He said, and he said,
0: he said the reason why... To, <laughs> <laughs> there weren't so many of us in the Navy was because none of us were willing to learn how to swim. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he, was, he was just wrong yeah. for saying that. And he laughed yeah. when he said it. But, you uh-huh. know, sometimes there's that little glimmer of truth in those kinds of stereotypes.
1: i it, it, it was just going to share something with you real quick. But believe it or not, do you know that the Air Force and the Navy are the hardest branches of service for us and in the to get into? Some I, I don't doubt reason. it, especially
0: the especially the I, I could see the Air Force. The Air Force they mm-hmm. treat they treat it like a white fraternity.
1: Well, the Navy is as well because you have to think all the technology and everything you're dealing with in the Navy.
0: It's hard right. to get
1: in the Navy. So the thing of the matter, you know, um, it's not that we can't swim because they're going to make you. They're <laughs> going to learn how to swim. Oh yeah, you're they're going gonna to make you learn. learn. Yeah. Make, uh-huh. yeah. You know, but the thing of the matter is uh, to add it into my story or whatever, um, a lot of what I was seeing or whatever, you know, it got me into uh, writings, different stories. I got back into reading comics and stuff like that back during that time frame. And I started realizing that most of the characters, you know, inside of these books, you know, they just didn't have any appeal to me even the ones that right. look like me. I really didn't mm-hmm. feel that, you know, they represented me in no form or fashion, you know. Right. Um, so therefore, you know, I figured, you know, you know, I can draw. I started designing my own characters up, or whatever the case may be. I was doing a lot of reading. You know, I got into reading, you know, like Dr. Ben. You know, I was reading uh, Ron Neffron, man. I was reading, uh, you know, all kind of books, whatever, John G. Jackson, uh, Milana Karenga, I was just reading every, I was listening to Steve Coakley Uh, mm-hmm. it was on, I can just give you a vast list of every book, not every book that I had, because, you know, I got like a 500 book library, so I can't even go into none of that. But a lot of that stuff, a lot of this information I was reading, and, it, and I was consuming it. So it, was a, it had to be a way for me to release this information where, Someone that's not going to read a uh, a textbook will understand the information without it being a textbook, textbook form. This would be my way of giving back to my community through a comic. It's one of the ways that I got into reading was through comics. So I figured I could introduce some info, not like hardcore, like bang in the face type info and it is what it is type stuff, no, it's right. just vaguely skim over and make people think, you know, maybe I should um uh, <laughs> is this brother trying to tell me something, maybe I should keep it up and even it. So I did that with uh in creating dreadlocks, I developed his storyline and I came up with it because I, I got into um a lot of the mysteries of Kemet and I studied a lot as related to uh the gods of Kemet, known you know, most people know it as Egypt. Uh and I added a lot of that into what I was doing, you okay. know, and then I was able to create a universe for my characters as a whole,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and creating the universe, you know, I, I learned a lot about, you know, Moors, Moors Spain, Moors before Spain and afterwards. And well, doing I, your I, you're
0: doing your own research, right?
1: Into, yeah. Into, into the, the,
0: research, the prevailing yeah. culture, yeah.
1: Exactly, and all of it was related to me. Now, everything related to our culture, I want to put in our books, but I I could only, with Dreadlocks, I wanted him to be specifically on one aspect of the culture. I wanted Jahad A.D. to be on another aspect of the culture, and every other character I have to be something related to the the culture. Everybody not the same. I wanted all of them to be different because we have so many different schools of thought as far as our information is concerned. You know, and I wanted to add all that into what I was doing. So <clears throat> therefore I created the urban style comics universe with all my characters. Yeah. And when I did something, you know, you know, some people like it, you know, some people they don't too much care for it cause they still like to produce books that are, you know, like Archie and they want to do like, um, uh, just typical comic book stories. And I don't, mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Well, and the other the other thing from the outside in, you know, when you when you think in terms of, you know, maybe an audience or something like that, uh the the greater American culture, you know, white folks still want to treat us like a monolith. Like we are all this and we are all that and we all like this and we all like that. You know, which is mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I refuse to buy watermelon at the grocery store because I don't mm-hmm. want to have you know, perpetuate any of that with these silly ass people, but um, good. it's good that you're exploring all, you know, a lot of different avenues of the culture like that, mm. because, because, you know, when you think about your target audience, and, and I'm assuming that your your audience is probably at least teens or young adults, Right. They Correct. are part of well, your I
1: audience. Of, I get a lot of older people buy my books too, believe it or not. <laughs>
0: no 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 no. That's, I'm not saying that I'm not no, saying but, I, I'm I only, okay. but but you know, when kids read they they are impressionable mm-hmm. at a subconscious level. So when yeah. okay, let's let's just take the simplest example from the last uh fifteen years. We have a whole generation of kids out there who didn't know until this mope that presidents of the United States were not black. Right. You know, we had a whole Mm -hmm. generation of kids growing up thinking, you know, you know, we have, you know, presidents of the United States of America are black until they go to school. And then they start learning that, Oh no, he was an outlier. But, but so when, when you provide that kind of multicultural stimulation, within a single race what you're doing is you're being authentic and true to reality in a way that most entertainment is not correct you know imagine how many white folks right now think that wakanda represents every every culture in africa
1: Uh, probably a lot of them but but yeah to, to, to piggyback on that, it's a lot of black folks who think that same thing
0: well yeah You know, the (laughs) IQ distribution curve actually
1: works for all races. I hate to say it. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about it, I really appreciate the fact that Black Panther came out, and I appreciate Luke Cage and Black Lightning Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. for several reasons, obviously, because um, I think um, them dropping those jewels to the masses have, have helped some of the independents, you know, with, you know, people acknowledging our works now.
0: Yeah, I picked up uh, a few that, extra book sales because of Black Panther, yeah. because my, my storyline is similar in that, you know, instead of being hidden by holographic uh, designs in, in the middle of Africa, um, my, my isolated, advanced black society lives lived on the moon and lives in outer space.
2: Mm, okay
0: so so people saw a little bit of an affinity from that and really you should pick up a book or something like for your 500 book life. no i'm just kidding i'm not no i'm not i'm not pimping my books people either buy them <laughs> or they don't buy them people want to read them or they don't want to read them you know you can't you know i i, I also despair people who do nothing but sell their, their 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 wares you know that gets tiring too
2: um right
0: but yeah but but the cool thing is is uh like you said. Having those jewels dropped, well first of all we saw the Luke Cage phenomenon, which i i you know, I probably say at least once a show where where Luke Cage broke Netflix. Yeah. And and that,
2: that's
0: and, and that's and that's not thirty million black folks downloading Luke Cage. That was people worldwide downloading Luke World Cage. Right. Yes yes it was a Marvel property, but it was still a black superhero. Yes,
1: it was.
0: Mm-hmm. And then and then, you know, I I can only say, well, I understand exactly why Black Panther resonates with so many people, black and Mm -hmm. white. And it comes down to a word that we don't apply to movies very much at all. I mean, almost never. And that word is nobility. You know, you you had an entire culture where even the heavy, even, you know, Killmonger, Still had the nobility of the culture. He just had a different perspective on what the culture should do for the rest of the black people in the world. But Correct. you still had that 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 huge, you know, definite undercurrent of nobility, and people resonate to higher ideals. You know, when they when they see, you know, some jackass calling uh, calling a senator Pocahontas. Or oh, there's my black person, you know, in in his yeah, yeah. all white rally or whatever, you know, right. those those sorts of things make, you know, th- what they do is they sensitise people to looking at things a slightly different way, and I think that that benefited, you know, the 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 Black Panther thing in in a huge way. Plus, it was it was a movie that was completely different from any other. Well, not any other, but um, it, was, it was different from all the rest of the Marvel and DC movies in that it dealt with a singular culture and it dealt with a culture that was determined to, to maintain its high moral and ethical standards. And that's a tough Correct. thing, you know, especially when you have your first reboot of Superman. Superman, first of all, he tears up a city. You know how many how many people died in Metropolis when they knocked all them buildings over and stuff like that, and then he kills a guy. You know, and and what happened to truth, justice, and the American way? You know, so I I think that those those cultural phenomena and, and oh, and the same thing for uh, for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was also cut of a different cloth. You know, yes, it was a woman, but you know, here was a woman fighting for the world in a way that, you know, she she definitely had to, well, it, we, you know all about that. So, yeah, we're seeing, I think we're seeing a sea change in entertainment, which only benefits people like you and me. Cool. Now, our, I think our our challenge still on a daily basis is figuring out how to elevate our works above the background noise so that people get to see them. Because the 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 bar to publishing these days is very very low. Yes, it is. You know, comic books, uh, magazines, novels, everything. You know, it's just you know you have all these digital tools that allow you to do things for a very very small amount of money. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, it's uh, it's you know, with with so many comics out there, I think it also helps. You know, what you do, you go and you press the flesh at these these conventions. And I poo-pooed that for a long, long time, and finally Jarvis talked me into going to a national convention. And actually, mm-hmm. he didn't talk me into he He gave my name to somebody as as someone who was going to be a willing participant. So they signed me up for a bunch of uh, panel discussions, and I moderated some, and so I really i jumped in with both feet because I always – I always look at conventions as sitting at a table and trying to sell your books, and, and <laughs> right, I, I'm right. not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, but that to me seems like the worst possible use of my time, you know, to try to be a bookseller mm-hmm. in a three-day event or a two-day event. Mm-hmm. But getting well, out there you know, and talking to people, you're you're your best marketing person.
1: Correct, you and you are, and uh, one, of the, one, one person that I know that does that very well as far as marketing and promoting, promoting themselves. I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of him, a brother named Mike Watson, Michael Watson. He does, uh, he has a character called hot shot, uh, vigilant. But this guy, his promotion, self-promotion is off the chain. Mm-hmm.
2: I've
1: mm-hmm. never seen anybody that promote themselves the way he does. So, you know, he does, you know, different panel discussions and things of that nature. But overall, if he was to just be at his table, his 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 promotion skills is unmatched. I've never seen <laughs> anyone promote themselves like that.
2: This right. guy will
1: go in the lobby, will go in the lobby and promote himself before people even come into the car, into any mm-hmm. case that mm-hmm. he's at. And that's what it's all about. You got to interact, you know, with the people. Uh, some people yeah. that do shows, they just come sit down, drawing with their head down, or they're just sitting down, and people are just going to consistently walk by you. You have to draw the people in so that they'll know who you are. You have so to they'll know them. what you yeah. what you have for them. Yeah. That's the number the number one tool uh, for success. Sometimes conventions are fun if you're doing things of that nature. If you're not doing it, yeah, you would be wasting your time three days just sitting up doing nothing, <laughs> twirling well, your thumbs you, and so on and so forth. Well, let's,
0: let's be honest. Can you imagine me sitting in a chair not saying anything for three days?
1: I couldn't even <laughs> imagine you doing that at all. <laughs> <If> that happened, <laughs> I couldn't see it.
0: I can. I can just hear it now. Oh, William was in a coma this last weekend. I don't know what was <laughs> what. It, what his problem was.
1: But believe it or that yeah.
0: way people do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people are not it, it is kind of tough to 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 if you're if you're a shy person or you're mm-hmm. not used to engaging people, you know, on the fly like that, just coming right out and being your mm-hmm. own best promoter. I I think it I think it's hard for shy people, especially creatives who are who have um I don't want to say – well, let's say they buried themselves into their creation and and have not developed the gregarious marketing person that they're really going to have to be as an entrepreneur. You know, that's a pretty big step for a lot of people. and, And, you know, I don't want to criticize anybody, you know, for that because it is hard to get started. But it's a necessary component.
1: Yeah, it is. So I think if you have someone um at your event um that's working with you and mm-hmm. if you are an intro- and if you are an introvert or someone that, that that's shy like that because I feel that I'm very shy myself, then hopefully you have someone on your team or someone that you could have promote you yeah, to do yeah most that, of the that is
0: that's a good idea not not be there by yourself yeah right um nobody believes that I'm shy. But basically, I am shy. And so I forced myself to do these things. I became a disc jockey by accident. And then mm-hmm. when you become a disc jockey in a club, you have to have a personality. And, oh, right, you right. know, I I, I had to invent my representative who would be up in that booth every night.
2: And, mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, still, you know, I was still basically a shy guy, but I, I had to put on the show. And so... Mm-hmm. You now now it's now it's pretty easy you know i do the radio show i you know i don't mind i i moderate these these uh panel discussions all the time mm-hmm. and and it it is a skill it's a skill that you can pick up so when people say yes, oh i would never be able to do that because i'm i'm too shy I go but yes you can you can learn how to do it you know you can you you can just start with easy things like hey you know my name is william these are my things What are you interested in? Is there anything here that I might have that might be of interest to you? And if you sometimes just asking a question like that can get people started. So, yeah, and we don't teach that. And we don't teach that. We don't teach any kind of communication at any level of schooling in this country at all. Not at all. You know, you wonder why people's relationships fail. You wonder why white folks with guns, white boys, excuse me, not white folks, White right. boys with guns when they get rejected by girls and they can't have no sex. So what do they do? <laughs> they go out and shoot up a church. They yeah, shoot up something crazy. because they can't get laid. How how effed up is that? It's
1: that? Right. We know they're putting all of us in a box too, uh, and a lot of us, well, you know, taking the key and walking right into that box, and we're happy to be in that box, and it makes me you know our world is right in there, and nothing else exists. So we come out into yeah, the real but, world, you know, we can't relate. Like you say, you, yeah, know, you need over, a girl if you, if you get shot down. Yeah, You know how to react.
0: of react. yeah, over 50% of our marriages fail. And and yeah. and I think, oh, you know, I just committed a crime. I called it a failure, and it's not a failure. You may have made a mistake. You know, you don't want yes. to. You know, you you don't want to necessarily classify that as a quote failure unquote you know maybe right. you, maybe you just hooked up with the wrong person or you guys changed or whatever but yeah we're we're so harsh on not being able to follow through that we put you know enormous pressures on people and and having to market your own self and your own goods that's a huge 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 pressure for someone let's say someone in their early 20s who's starting out trying to get you know not only are they trying to perfect the product but then right. you know unless they take some marketing classes or something they they may not even know the first thing of doing it for you did it come pretty naturally do you have a naturally gregarious personality or or did you really have to kind of focus in on exactly what your message had to be
1: i had to home in on what my message had to be i had to uh you know you know i read up on marketing uh promotions and stuff like that myself as far as targeting my market, you know, I did a real good job, I think, as it comes to that. Uh, but it was something I had to uh, learn. It wasn't like, you know, I jumped right into this and, you know, I was happy-go-lucky and everybody loved my bubbly personality, because that wasn't the <laughs> case. <laughs> you know? So I just basically uh, learned a lot and um, and I applied what I learned. That was it.
0: And and what you know that you lying dog. That was not it because it changes from day to day, doesn't it? Don't you learn more? Don't you meet more people? Don't you? Aren't? Aren't? Isn't your yes. your marketing process constantly being refined and changed for the times? Because I mean, imagine what you would be doing now if Black Panther and Luke Cage had not come out.
2: Well, struggling. <laughs> well no,
0: but and I don't mean that in a mean way. No, no. Andre, okay. I don't mean that you know I don't mean that in a mean yeah, way. I'm, I'm know, just I'm saying that, that you would you would not be able to say, well, okay, for like me, I could go, well, like Wakanda, my colony of blacks isolated themselves with their advanced technology, you mm-hmm. know, and you know, there are some similarities. And people go, Oh, okay, now I get it. You know, because when you talk about black folks beating NASA to the moon, yeah, that's interesting, but it doesn't convey a lot of context, you know. Well Correct. how did they get there? What made them go? You know, how how did they build a rocket? How did they do this in secret? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh you know, you can't keep black folks uh you can't have black folks keep the secret from each other at Thanksgiving, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Not at all. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. That's really the case. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Now now do you wanna talk a little bit about the convention scene? Um, if you don't mind, if we switch gears?
1: Well, I don't mind at all.
0: Tell no, us a little bit about, all. tell us a little bit about your doings from the convention perspective.
1: Well, you know, I, I'm thinking we've met together, you know, uh, the Motor City Black Days of Comics.
2: Right. Uh, I think
1: we spoke on it before, you know, I, you know, the first con I started to go to as far as it led to black creators was um, the East Coast Black Age of Comics. Uh, and where was Chattel that in oh, New York? Or? That, was, that, was, that was in Philadelphia. Oh, Philly, okay. And then I did, uh, I did uh, the Black Age in Chicago. That's actually uh-huh. where it started, actually in Chicago back in 93, uh, I think. I had heard of it when I first started doing comics, so, whatever being that Chicago is only a few hundred miles from Detroit. I had heard about it, but nobody ever really, you know, reached out this far or whatever, and I guess because we didn't have that type of communication like we do now with the internet and everything. So, um, I, the brothers in Philadelphia that put it together, uh, a brother named Yumi uh, Odom, uh, he he spoke on um, me getting together with a brother here in Abiyomi to do a... Um, con here in detroit and i had told him you know i really don't have time and nor the energy to put into trying to do a convention because my um focus is really on doing my comics that was it, right. nothing else you know I, now i'll go with, this, with my creation and sell and meet people and you know introduce them to more things as it relates to black comics but as far as me actually putting the show together, that was something I just wasn't really ready for at the time. So when I when we did it, we only had like maybe five people at the show total, with uh well we only had seven people at the show with five of us being uh, the <laughs> creators.
2: <laughs>
1: so you know, it was something like it was a real very low number, but it was something around that range. So we ended up um uh um, Doing the show, I thought it was a good idea. I felt really good about it, even though that's only, you know, even though we only had a small amount of people there, it was still something that I felt that I could build on. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: People were still, you know, interested in black comics. You know, we just didn't have the actual market for it in the sense of we didn't know how to, you know, advertise the market and how to push it. You know, so people would know that it's more to, you know, everything that we're doing out here besides going to work and working in a plant or whatever. We got creators out here that are doing comics, writing these stories, <laughs> drawing these stories, putting them together, come out and meet these people. So, needless to say, to uh, say the second year, I did it, it was a bigger than you. Uh, we had gotten a whole lot more people that came to that event. It was at the, uh, what we call Russell Bazaar, which is a, an, an artist industrial complex. Okay. And it was really nice there. You know, Turkel, the guy who started, I call him the, the father of the black age. He's from Chicago. He came out to that one. You know, he really liked the setup and everything. and basically gave me his blessings on it and everything. And after that, you know, I was motivated what you know what he told me what he what he liked about everything i was doing you know that motivated me more to focus on my car and yeah. um and pushing get more black creators out or whatever but i was always open to anybody else you know coming to the event and participating if they wanted to set up a table but do know that it is called the motor city black age of comics so nine times out of ten the majority of the people that are going to be a part of this event will look like me instead of being the other way around. So to put the con together, did a couple of shows. Uh, We did uh, another event at at a place called Youthville, which I really liked as well. Uh, I liked that venue. We did that. That was real good. And ever since then, you know, um, know, I've been doing the con. (laughs) I've just been doing it time and time again. Every year, you know, and I'm getting ready <laughs> to change. To. To, oh, go
2: ahead. So Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. I'm,
1: get, I'm getting ready to change uh, as far as the amount of times I'm actually doing this event, you know, uh, the Motor City Black Age. I'm thinking about doing it two or three times a year. Uh, but I just, just got to wait on a few things to transpire before I can do that.
0: Well, you so don't want to lose your friends, do you?
1: No, I don't. No, no. It'll and be, then how these would be these would be like uh what I'll call smaller. uh mini cons. Mini, yeah, cons. mini cons mini And then okay. you know, just to build up to the bigger cons. Mm-hmm, mm
0: hmm. And what what's, the, what's the what's the non black participation in terms of attendance at uh at at the convention generally speaking?
1: Non black right now at my show <laughs> I have quite a few uh, people, you know, of other persuasions, and particularly the Caucasian, that come to the show, uh, which really amazes me or whatever, because I have some, um, you know, Caucasian counterparts. You know, they like to use Facebook as a as a, 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 a bullseye to try to throw their darts at you or whatever. But I've had those that come on there and say, why am I calling it black age? And that's uh, what they call... Um, racial identity, uh, what the, identity identity politics right all this kind of crap and i'm like that's something that you made up and why are you all so scared of the word black when you created it in the first place <laughs> you know what i mean so and, you, you fear this and, and, word <laughs> you
2: know anyways. what a bunch
0: of you know I, you know i don't understand that you know first of all we make up what 13 14 of the uh the nation's population <laughs> right
1: exactly and
0: and and they get they are so fearful Correct. about about anything that we label black having legs.
1: Exactly. So, you know, they were so,
0: pissed off that there was only one white guy in black or two white guys in Black Panther.
1: Black Panther, right? No. You know, one was a
0: villain and the other.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I have. um as far as a couple of shows, like I did one two years ago at the place called Bert's, where I had several you know, white people that came to the event because of where the uh, event was. But off and uh-huh. on, it's usually hit or miss. You know, I get a nice percentage of white people there. The majority of the people look like me. It's maybe 10%, 20% become there. Then I have participants that are uh, Caucasians as well. Uh, they're white. Yeah, I uh, see. Uh, bill mccormick we got brian germain you know you got oh, who else is it? it's a couple of them that usually participate uh mm-hmm. i have a guy told he comes out you know check out the show guy william he comes out you know they're white the, the, the thing is the matter is this right here i don't promote the event like it's just a black panther type thing <laughs> or black panthers event type thing i promote promoted right. it letting, letting people know it is going to be a people-of-color event you know, if you're white and white does fall under the color spectrum to some degree, you know, mm-hmm. if you're looking at it like that. So, therefore, anybody can come to the event and have fun. White people like to come out to see what we're doing as far as what type of uh, product do we have. Is it garbage? Is it um, top-notch? You know, they're usually they're shocked when they come out and they see top-notch products,
0: Right,
1: You know, they're really shocked by that because, you know, but especially in today's time, you know, like you spoke on earlier, we can go to an on-demand printer and get top-notch books and print them out and have them ready and set up and ready for our shows. And they're seeing that we have taken comic books to a whole nother level as far as, you know, um, our production levels. And some of them, mm-hmm. you know, as far as our marketing is is concerned, you know, so yeah, it's a nice percentage. Well,
0: yeah, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad that there is that universal appeal. You know, a lot of people, a lot of whites won't come to something if it's labeled black because they're scared. But right. the fact of the matter is, if you're creating good quality stuff, people will seek you out.
1: You know. We got stuff.
0: Yeah. They will so, the thing of the
1: matter, you know, like 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 we were saying, you know, when you, you see that turn black, you know, people start running or whatever. But that goes back into, you know, what I was saying a little bit earlier, you know, when we're, you know, reading these books in, in elementary or whatever, and they're pushing, you know, racism at us on a consistent basis, uh, when you look at some of these stories. And uh the thing of the matter, it's all in the back of our heads and we don't even know it. But as an adult, when when we're, we're older and everything, we start seeing the effects of some of these childhood stories that we were reading or read to us and so on and so forth. So it affects us as adults, and we're thinking that black is this ultimate evil. Everything black is evil, evil, evil. And that's not the case. So a lot of times people have to actually come out and see what's going on and actually... See, for themselves, it's not anything here that's that's anti-white whatsoever or or anti-people, I should say, whatsoever. So come on out. You know, we're just having a good time. And the way that the event is set up, you know, it's set up the perfect way. If you want to come out just for an hour to check out a, a particular panel, you come out for that. If you want to see the vendors and see who's selling what, obviously we have the vendors there. Uh, we have the workshops, we have those, we have the panels, we have uh, live entertainment, we have all that going on here.
0: Hmm. You think there might be a place for a Japanese Negro to come up and do some panels?
1: Yes, it's, it's a, a place for <laughs> a, a black Japanese, <laughs> a Japan Negro. Got, you know, it's, it's funny. For
0: <laughs> yeah, for the last, uh, let's see, uh, Two, two Boscones and one Worldcon, um, they they had me moderate panels on Afrofuturism. And okay. I, I did not know that writers and panelists had groupies, but I was standing downstairs at uh, at, uh, at uh, the Bo- the Boston one after the Worldcon mm-hmm. one. The Worldcon one was in the summer and the Boston one was, uh, oh, they're starting to the fireworks here. So if it sounds like Fallujah, it's not anything going on in my house. But okay. a, a, a woman came up behind me, and I was talking to somebody. She said, hey, William. And I turned around, and I recognized her. It's like a 60-, 70-year-old white woman, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: whatever. And she said, you did a great job on the panel here and at WorldCon.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm
0: thinking, wow, mm-hmm. you know, here's somebody who checked mm-hmm. me out in both places. And, and you know, now now I've got a reputation with the program people, for doing great panels, you know, for for managing Mm -hmm. discussions well, having a sense of humor, things like that, and and, which is good for me because my, uh, I'll be honest, my marketing scheme for pushing my books um, right now is uh, uh, taking advantage of the cult of personality. I think if people Mm -hmm. meet me and they find me interesting and then they find out that I'm also a writer, they're more likely to, you but know, politics. take a ser- take a serious look at what I've written, rather than me just going, "Hey, I'm a writer. Here, read my book." You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right. So, well, I mean, I'm just being honest. And, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, I'm supposed to be at WorldCon this year in San Jose, California, in August. Right. And again, I'm going to reprise that you know I, I haven't gotten all my my panel assignments yet, but I'm going to be out there and again i I'm, I'm going to remind people, yes, as wonderful as I am as a panel you know uh panelist and moderator, I'm even better as an author, and let's see if that gets some books sold mm-hmm. so
2: let's
0: let's look a little bit down the road. I mean, you said you've got twelve different creative universes or twelve different. Yeah. Well twelve different characters at least. Wouldn't you say characters or, or are they com- because you said they, they, they're kind of in parallel universes, right? hmm
1: So yeah, they're they're basically, you know, twelve different universes that I'm in the process of creating. Uh obviously gonna take me a minute on on all those. Uh with the four with right now we're dealing with just uh four right now. And uh I'm looking at eventually bringing them all together, you know, um, you know all the characters in the sense of just the, the ultimate war type thing. Um, sure. You know, which is the average uh, <laughs> comic book story or whatever, so we can bring all the characters in the one, one world. You know, yeah, but just do me a favor.
0: Don't, don't let Thanos come into your creative universe and kill <laughs> off half uh-huh. the people in there. <laughs> no. in, in, in a in a in a BS plot point because you know supposedly half of those half of those superheroes are dead and yet they got they got contracts out there for two and three you know one two
2: and we three more movies, movies right. three. <laughs>
0: so yeah you know you wonder okay all right fine I guess uh, I I guess you're gonna treat us like like you know Joe Jobo the fool but um it's no, still though that's that's place. pretty ambitious. Because that, I mean, to me, that sounds like you've got, like, 10 years' worth of work ahead of you.
1: Well, I'm cataloging uh, a lot of my dreadlock books right now. You know, i got books that, you know, haven't even been colored yet. and uh, Right. And they're getting done time and time and time. You know, I'm getting them done. You know, I'm building the catalog up. Because so I plan on being around for a long time. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. I've been around mm-hmm. since ninety. You know six to be exact that's when i was actually out there where the public could actually see me Um, right and i've I've had that you know the staying power to be here this long i feel i have to stay in power to be here even longer you know because I. oh go ahead
0: no 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 go ahead because
1: i don't feel i don't feel that um there's a lot of us out here that are doing nice work and good work or whatever but I feel that the quality of whatever is with what I do. If it wasn't there, I wouldn't have been around this long. And I plan on having that same quality a little bit more as time progresses. And I like to get more people involved in what I'm doing as well. So that way it helps the product, you know, gets bigger, get bigger and bigger with time. Right. You know, because I want it where when kids, you know, which has already happened now with kids. Their parents bought them my books maybe 10, 15 years ago, and they're like, man, I remember having one of these when I was a kid. I remember reading this, and then they want to buy mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. the new books. And they're like, man, I didn't know this was still around. And that makes me feel really good when, uh, when, the, when the young adults or whatever tell me that they actually had a uh, dreadlocks book when they were a kid. From way, way back, yeah. Way back, right.
0: you know, now you're officially a transmedia company. You know, because you've got, you've not, you've now got the movie. You know, the Dreadlocks movie.
1: Yeah, the animated movie, which I'm in the process of working on another one. Uh, We haven't uh, put our foot down just yet, but um, we're in the process of developing right now. um, For the second animated movie. Uh, we're also looking at um, doing some gaming as well. Uh, yeah, that, it's, it's a lot yeah. on, on oh, a lot going on right now. You know, I'm just yeah. uh, laying low right now till I get it all pumped up and ready, and then boom, they're gonna be like, "Wow, he's still around. We just can't get rid of this guy. <laughs> no, we can't." <laughs> <clears throat>
0: It, it's still, I mean, oh, and uh, what what platform for the game?
1: Well, I like uh, Xbox or, or you haven't this, even
0: gotten to that point yet?
1: I haven't gotten to that point yet, but it seems like it's going to be for all platforms from what um, I was told. You know, as far as Xbox, really? PC, yeah, that's what I was told. So I'm sure that, you know, it'll happen if, if the brother who told me this, named uh, Robert Mathis, Mm-hmm. I, I, I I trust him and what he says, and I trust him and what he can do because the, the guy is off the chain when it comes to his animation and gaming. So, I, I Well, uh, my, only,
0: my only word of advice to you is very, very soon, and we're talking very, very soon, you know, people from the ages of 13 to 30 are going to get 85 to 90% of their content on their mobile device. Right. So you might want to think about making sure your game runs on a phone or an, and a tablet too, you know.
1: Yeah, and we're looking at uh, the virtual thing too, you know. So it's a couple of things that we're looking at as far as that that's concerned. Because now, nice. you know, you have those that are putting on the virtual goggles or whatever. Now they are all off into this other world, you know. So we're um, it, it's all in, in, in on paper right now. What you know, what I'm looking at right now and just in development. But this is the future.
0: Man, have I got an idea for you that I don't want to say out loud. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're going to have to talk because I actually have something that might benefit you. I mean, worth thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. Mm -hmm. And and you know what? If I do get 15%, that's fine, but I'm not going to insist mm. on it. But anyway, yeah, um, no, no, I'm glad no, I'm glad that I mean that's the other thing. You know, a lot of people will get into a groove and they'll just stick there and and you obviously have bigger plans. And you know, they're not grandiose, they're just bigger. You know, you want to you right. want you want to provide your creativity at multiple levels, at different levels. And I think that that's, uh, obviously, that is a growth, you know, pattern that, that, that is, that, that's going to serve that, you well, you know?
1: That is the game plan. You know, uh, one of the reasons why, you know, I stuck with doing um, the con that I created, of uh, Motor City Black Age Comics, is because it also helps, you know, introduce the new anything new that I have as well as anything new that some of the other brothers may have. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then uh, people come out, people come out for the new stuff. Uh, One thing I I want to avoid is, you know, when people bring the same product they had five years ago. (laughs) If you you bring the same thing you had five or six years ago, you know, people, you know, they tend to be like, "Uh, why am I going to uh, that event? Because this artist right here, he got the hot work, you know, but it's the same work from six years ago. He hasn't put out nothing new yet. But this yeah, they, issue, they, though, they, I may they need spend the money. This.
0: <laughs> they they spend the money. They get the ticket. They show up at the, con- the, the right. convention, and, and it's 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 still issue number 001. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, still on that same issue. We we had a couple of people this past year that came in from uh, different areas like Phoenix. Florida right uh d c area we had them from several that we always get a lot from Chicago or whatever, but we have mm-hmm. a lot of other areas this year which you know which really amazed me or whatever because I was like, wow, they're coming in from different parts of the states you know you, you know, should I'm put
0: worried. up uh, at the at the uh check-in or the entrance booth or whatever you want to call it. Put, put a big ass map of the U.S. on there and start sticking pins in from where people are from.
1: It's a good idea. I know yeah. I'm full of those. Um,
2: you
1: <laughs> 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 well, you never know. I have uh, people that I'm working with are on are on the con or whatever because that helps as well. And uh, sure, you know uh, they're going to bring some nice ideas out and some things that we can do. You know, different yeah. you know, this year. um, What time of
0: year? What time of year is the con?
1: It's November third this year. November November third. Last year was the third weekend of November, which was pretty rough because it was a cold rain the whole day. um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That weather was terrible, and I think that kind of affected my uh, crowd a little bit. You know, which is okay. You know, because the event still has to go on and put on another event. So the thing mm-hmm. that matters is back earlier in November, you know, the first weekend in November, and I'm um, and looking at the weather being, you know, pretty nice like it was the year before that. You know, the year right. before was really nice at that time of year. So the thing that um uh, when the people come out, I'm hoping that the weather is good. This year I have um, uh, one of the panels I have in particular is, is called Black Panther Decoded. You know, I'm going to have a okay. brother named Sankofa, uh, brother for the Keep Young. You know, it's a panel discussion. A sister named Kelly McAlpine and Mike Imhotep, they're supposed to be part of the panel discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be set up where they're going to decode a lot of different things that have transpired inside of a Black Panther movie that some people don't know about. And it's going to be right. culture related. You know, it's going to be actual things that, you know, that they actually grabbed to create this movie. You know, sure. besides what everybody typically knows about it. Um, we got um, You Create, which is uh You Create Comics, which is by um Victor Dandridge. He's this guy, he's off the chain, he's like running the Wizard World, uh, artist alley um vendors and things of that nature. But he's real mm-hmm. good at marketing. He's real good at marketing. Uh he's gonna market and tell you all about um, color schemes and things like that and what makes a good character and what makes a bad character what you need to do in order to get these characters to certain levels and I think I brought up Mike Watson earlier today he's going to be doing his panel uh, and it's called Marketing, Marketing and Promoting Yourself or Self Marketing or Self-Marketing and Promotions and he's going to concentrate more on how to market yourself as the brand, uh, you mm-hmm. know, don't yeah. just think that you're sitting there It's going to market you and get, get you uh, where you need to be at a show. You um, see, those are my the main three uh, panels and workshops I have going on. Of course, I have uh, the gaming going on, you know, and I have a couple of hip hop artists. Gaming is going to be going on all day. Uh, We've got a couple of hip hop artists. You're gonna have going to have
0: one on here. Afrofuturism?
1: Uh, I'm looking at that right now. I need to, uh, you know, I got somebody in mind that, that, that can do that. Uh, I'm looking at my hours or whatever. But um, I'm looking at that as well. Everything, that the, the, the modern language, today's language, I want to have it yep. all covered at the event, which Afrofuturism is part of that as well. Uh, so I got one brother who is I'm interested in and in getting you know, on board with that. Um, I happen
0: to I happen to know uh, a guy who is considered a, a you know a national uh, expert on uh, on the Afrofuturism movement.
2: Uh, who I can refer so I, 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 can
0: re- I can refer refer you to him What's if you like. Uh, William Hayashi.
1: Oh, we're referring to him, then. Yeah, send me his information, <laughs> and I can make contact with him.
0: I would no, you know, I, I, here. Okay, I, I told you about the cult of personality. Yes, I'd love to get my name out there, but mm. you, you know, this is this is one of the things that I've wanted to do. Um, I want to talk about this with a, a predominantly black audience. Now I've had standing right. room only of of white audiences at these these big national conventions about mm. about Afrofuturism because because people are interested in two things they're interested in what exactly it is but they're also interested in why black themed entertainment resonates and what does that say about the trends in entertainment in hollywood and music and stuff like that because is Mm -hmm. this a flash in the pan is this always going to be separate will afrofuturism Will the topics of Afrofuturism ever roll into mainstream, like mainstream science fiction? Okay, mm-hmm. I wrote I wrote mainstream science fiction, but a lot of people consider it Afrofuturism because it's black themed and it has to do with black folks who actually exist in the future, which goes against mm-hmm. you know that that whole Richard Pryor joke about well they you know they don't have us in any any science fiction movies because they don't plan for right. us to be here. Well, right. um, so. Hitting that up with a black audience would probably be a lot of fun for me because we get to explore some different avenues in it. And and I'm not doing this just to pimp me, but I'm doing this because it makes me better to to right. be in front of all of these different kinds of people. Um, in mm-hmm. February, I've got two events. One in Portland, I think. Well, maybe in Portland. I don't know about the Portland one, but but I have one at Florida A&M for their um, literature fest. I okay. will probably be one of one of the headline artists for that. And then I do have one that that I think is coming off. I'm 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 like 85% sure it's coming off in Portland again in July. So, mm-hmm. you know, I being in front of different audiences and hearing different perspectives is so cool. And let me tell you it, it, I'm sorry to take up your time, but let me tell you one of the things that absolutely blew my mind at Worldcon, you know, here's, here's the, you know, one of the biggest sci-fi conventions, you know, in the world, because it goes from country to country to country. And I'm moderating the panel on, on Afrofuturism and, and and like a 75 year old white guy raised his hand to ask a question. And he said, do you need to know as a white person? He said, do I need to know anything about black culture in order to appreciate these kinds of stories? And mm-hmm. I started to give, you know, a half ass joking answer, but then I was stunned because I had never thought of that. And then and then I, you know, I, I thought quickly and I said to everybody, okay, how many people here have seen Avatar? And I oh. think I swear just about everybody raised their hands. I said, Okay, oh. how many of you knew about blue ass alien big people before you saw the movie? And yeah, everybody yeah. laughed because then they got it. Because if you tell a good story you're going to learn about the culture within the story, and you probably are not going to get lost. But I hadn't yeah, thought good. about that. I never would have thought that, about that question. Do I have to know about black culture in order to appreciate these stories? And, right. and the answer should be no. And, and the cool thing was, was that had he not asked that question, I never would have thought about it myself. So um, that that's the reason why I would love to participate, not because I think, you know, I need to get something out of you guys. But um, I think it would just be fun. Plus, you know, Megabus yeah. is only like eight bucks to get up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not much. It's about $30 round trip. <laughs> yeah, but,
0: you know, they, but, they yeah, got chickens in the aisle and people smoking and, you know. <laughs> I'll be the only person in there who knows how to speak English and, you know, all those right. other stereotypes that I'm going to throw at that. But, um, but you know, maybe we can talk later. I mean, if you think that I would be of benefit, yes, fine, great, let's do it. If not, I don't want to sound like I'm just pimping me. Um, well, you, but, got, well uh, you
1: know, the thing is your terminology is pimping you. That's cool, you know. So, uh, so in other words, you know, I'll be the John to, to see whether, you know, your pimping is worth it.
0: well and the other thing the other thing is you know I do have this credential I've been doing this show for over five years now
2: and that's a a lot
0: of people that I have interviewed and gotten different perspectives from and and it's the luckiest part of doing it's the best part of doing the show I mean you and I never would have met otherwise probably
2: you know, right. because true.
0: I would have met, I would have met Jarvis, and Jarvis is the one who made me start thinking about going to conventions. Otherwise, I, like I said, I thought it was just sitting around on my ass, selling books at a table, and and it's so mm. much more than that. You know, it's just oh, yeah, so it's so much more. more than that. Yeah, and and you guys, you know, you have put a lot of time and effort. Um, uh, what annual one will this one be? This November.
1: This will be ten. This is my tenth. Ten
0: years, man. Ten years. Think about that.
1: And and there are some people who can't
0: get one year done.
1: (laughs) Well, i I put it to you like this, uh, William, it's been pretty rough. (laughs) You know, but I'm making it happen. It's been pretty rough. Yeah, but you know what? It's easy.
0: If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not easy.
1: You know, raising money is one of the
0: hardest things to do. To get something like this going, you yeah, are so is. lucky. You got you got ten years of of, of backstory. You have got ten years to show people. Hey, this is not a flash in the pan. I know what I'm doing. We we have you know we put together a good program. We get good turnout. Um, how many people came through last year? Do you estimate?
1: Last year, let's say we didn't we didn't do too well last year. I think it was about maybe 300 last year, and I think that was okay. due to the weather.
0: Okay, so what's I the think. highest when the weather's not killing you?
1: No, no it was at the uh, Burt's. I think we ca- we calculated about thousand people with that one.
0: See, mm. that's 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 still significant, and obviously it must be working if you kept doing it for ten years. If you didn't, if it wasn't working out, you would have quit. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. And nobody just focus nobody more on
0: yeah nobody bangs their head against the wall because it feels so good when they stop.
1: Well, right. nobody sane
0: does that um so so this is pretty cool um and and i do wanna I do want attend one. I'm supposed to go you know this is supposed to be a busy August for me. I'm supposed to go to uh urban nerdcon in Atlanta. then the okay, following weekend yeah. i uh, the following weekend I'm going to Worldcon in San Jose. And then the hmm. following weekend, I'm supposed to come back to Atlanta for Dragon Con. Now, I really want to go to Dragon Con, but I may be out of money by then. You know what I
1: mean? By then, right, right. So I'm going to have to Well, I'm going well, to I'm gonna get with you on the Motor City Black Age of Comics. That's, in, you know, like I say the first weekend of uh, November, which is the 3rd. So we're going to talk more about that uh, probably in about a month or whatever. We're going to really start. Okay. on on what's going on as far as the different um panels and because discussions and so on so I could
0: talk about uh, two really big things, two major things. One would be you know Afrofuturism and and how Black culture is impacting the entertainment industry in the United States of America. And I can also talk about how to put together a successful podcast.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Okay. You know, so, so if, you, if you think those would be of interest and we could get a few more people to talk about them, that would be great. But don't get any of those podcasters out there who, when they interview somebody, they didn't even look up the person's name. They don't know how to say their name. They don't know what right. they did. They, you know, we don't need those kind of people representing anybody because there's too many of them out there. People think just because you've got a laptop with a camera, somehow, you, you know, you're your Cecil B. DeMille. So oh, that's uh, right. and, and that's just wrong. Um, now we have
1: a, a podcaster out of Detroit, real good, brother, uh, Roderick, Roderick Walker. You know, he, he's called cool, cool Nerds Unite. That's his podcast. He's he's real good. It is. I don't know if you ever uh, pulled him up. To check out. You know, I haven't. His but stuff. you know
0: what? Uh, if if I get out there on the Friday night, maybe I could have him on. Uh, do the show with me you never know yeah well we'll see all right anyway now looking down the road no let's not look down the road let's look back because you've talked about you've talked about yes it hasn't been easy doing either of the things that you've been doing if you if you were going to be in front of a bunch of people and talking about creating your own comic book and creating your own um creative universe um what what is the worst pitfall that befell you? What was the worst setback that you had in putting that together? That you would want to warn, let's say, let's say you you're warning some teenagers, you know, some kids, college-age kids, about, you know, if they want to create their own comic universe, what what's the the one thing you want them to avoid running into?
1: One thing, the biggest pitfall when when I started everything was. Um Uh, The printing aspect, because um, back then when I first started, we used um, newsprint-type printers.
2: Mm -hmm. We didn't have digital
1: printers back then. So uh, the stock would be an issue um, because we weren't familiar with too many, you know, comic book conventions or comic book shows or anything. So that stock aspect, you can't overprint, because then you'll find yourself with all the stock, and no way of moving it. So you have to learn, you know, what type of, um, you know, audience you're dealing with and look at, you know, demographics and everything and really, you know, focus on making shows to that demographic, and hopefully that demographic covers uh, the actual show that you're at. Uh As far okay. as, like, bigger shows, bigger shows such as, you know, the, the – I want to say show C2E2 type shows
2: Okay. Uh,
1: you want to avoid overspending as far as budget is concerned because like say you spend $900 for a space then you got to spend another $100 for a table then you got to spend $50 for each chair that takes you to what you know $1,100 or so Uh, you have to have merchandise that you, feel it's going, that you know, not feel, that's going to sell, you know, to cover the cost of that, that, tape, that space. Because to me personally, I feel that a lot of these cons are overcharging and all these independents, whether they're white, black, whatever, it doesn't make any difference. Anytime, you know, you're spending over a certain amount of money, your product is only $5 or $6, I'll give it that you're not going to make that money back. You're going to be in the hole, period. Right. All you did was just enjoy yourself. Well, you didn't really enjoy yourself because you spent all your money. For uh, <laughs> so my advice yeah. is to really balance your budget in accordance to what you can afford and where you would make money. You want to do shows where you're going to make money, not shows where you're going to lose money. And early on, uh, the shows that we were doing early on, we lost money, I felt. We were losing money, number one. Right. We have, like I said, the overprinting as far as uh, the stock is concerned. And if we're doing these high end, expensive shows, you know, it ain't like, you know, they know who you are and they're, they have you coming in as a guest and <laughs> you got your table all set up for you already. Because even to this day, uh, even some of our shows where the people that look like me you are know, putting shows together. Mm-hmm. They don't, I've never been invited as a guest where I can just come and, you know, just set up and, uh um, you know, and, and do the show and enjoy it. You know, now at right. home right here in Detroit. I may be invited at shows as a guest. You know, these are Caucasians putting these shows together. <laughs> and I go to the show and I make my money. Where, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other shows where people that look like me are putting them together. I'm not necessarily a guest there except for pocket cons. That's in Chicago. I come to PocketCon mm-hmm. as a guest. And I come there and I do real good at PocketCon, which is uh, in December. It's gonna be December the fifteenth this year, I think. But needless to say, I love Pocket con, Not just because they have me as a guest, but just because even if I did pay for the table, I know I'm gonna make that back. Right. Just guaranteed. Right. Because they're not overcharging for a table. Uh yeah. you have to you put it over charge for a table. You have to watch these type of uh, venues, uh, not venues, these type of uh, shows. You have to watch that uh, because so you're going to find yourself losing.
0: Yeah, people really have to, they have to look at the nuts and bolts and the real dollars and cents of what's it's gonna, what it's going to cost for them to be at one of these shows.
1: Because right. <clears throat> you're going to find yeah. yourself losing a lot of money and breaking even is and so it's not worth it if I'm just breaking even.
0: No, because there's a lot of wear and tear on you. You've got to transport stuff. You've got, yep. to, you've got to travel. You've got to, you know, check in, check out, go through security. Oh, I went to, it wasn't a show, but I went someplace, dropped my driver's license in the United Terminal here in Chicago on mm-hmm. my way out of town so i get to where i'm going I, I went to vegas i had to come back i had no driver's license
2: mm.
0: you can't get through security, security. so i actually security. went up to two tsa guys and i said dudes i got a problem and of course you know when you say something like that then they get you know they put their hand on their gun like what 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 right, What? you exactly. know and I, said, I said no i just officiated a wedding and i found out that i dropped my license in chicago and they said, well, what wedding was it? And I pulled out the, uh, you know, all of the I mm-hmm. pictures out yet. and this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, so why did they have you? Oh, this is a friend from my, mine from Canada, blah, 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 blah. And while we're talking, we're walking. They walked me mm-hmm. past security. They walked me all the way to the gate. I didn't have to be checked or nothing. But you don't no, get no, lucky no. like that. No,
1: you don't. You know?
0: Um, and the last time, where did I go last time? I was, oh, I went to Boston and i had i had just uh, i had 6 books in my luggage mm-hmm. i had to unpack my luggage and they had to go and flip through the books to make sure i didn't have like a knife blade or something in the books <laughs> right right so oh, so yeah, no i mean you know people don't people don't think about travel you know what the wear and tear mm-hmm. you know that that's the one thing a lot of people don't think about when they become an entrepreneur they don't realize that you have to pay you first And not only does that mean making sure that you get paid first, but that you you fully account for your time and what your time is worth. Because if you're if if you're flying someplace to go to a show that's 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 six to eight hours in travel, Mm -hmm. and if you don't if you don't, you know, count yourself at you know fifty dollars an hour or whatever you think you're worth and figure that in, you're like you said you're losing money you're losing money yeah well that makes a lot of sense man um and then you know i you've told me that you've gotten great feedback and stuff like that from people and and that things seem to be going well i mean i really would like to meet you when you come down here for the show or when i come up there if i come up there I, I definitely want to finally meet you face to face because we've got to talk twice. It's been great. Right. Uh, no, I, I, I hope you've I enjoyed yourself. Um,
1: I, I enjoy because... even when I'm listening to it at times. <laughs> <I> <laughs> well, enjoy. thank you very much,
0: man. Um, mm-hmm. And and for those of you who didn't catch it at the beginning, this is Andre Batts and he he does comics. He's uh, actually check out BSFS on the uh, home the uh, the homepage. It's got uh, his. Uh, his poster tells you a little bit about him. Um, we're oh, we're oh. out of time. We actually talked over, not over, but we're almost out of. You oh, know, we're oh, I, want to, over. I,
1: want, I want to say one thing real quick. Sure. I want I want to give a shout out to Cynthia McDonald and my girl Minajah Chandler and Kevin, Kelly Kelly okay, okay, McElfine. Okay.
0: They're not yeah, they're I'm probably not that. listening right now, but they can definitely listen to the podcast. And what's cool about that is they're gonna have to listen to the whole thing before they hear their name. So I like that. <laughs> that was good, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> Andre, I had a great time. I hope you
1: did too. Hey, I did. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh man! thanks for being here, you know, taking up a Friday night of yours and and being here. I'm going to end the show, but hang on for a second just in case anybody in the chat room has a last minute question for you. okay, is that all right
2: okay that's okay.
0: all right. I want to thank everybody who listened to this live. I also want to thank you people who picked this up as a podcast. All of your participation helps. all of your support helps. Jarvis appreciates it. I appreciate it um, i otherwise uh I don't know why why I do this for five years, you know, giving up my Fridays. But it just goes to show you when you have a lonely life and an ankle bracelet, you might as well keep yourself busy. So on behalf of the people who make this work, and uh, uh, I'm not sure, I think we might, I'm not sure. We might have Roy Evans next week to talk about Urban NerdCon. Um. that's tentative, very tentative. We never know sometimes up until Friday morning who we're going to have. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the support. Uh, thanks again, Andre. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope everybody else has a great weekend. And we'll catch you next week for the next edition of the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show.